following is a class given by His Holiness Jayapataka Swami Maharaj on June 7th, 1981 in New Orleans, Louisiana, USA. The class begins with a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 7th Canto, Chapter 8, Verse 17. Canto 7, Chapter 8, Text 17. Translation by His Divine Grace, Sila Esi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. To prove that the statement of His servant, Prahlad Maharaja, was substantial. In other words, to prove that the Supreme Lord is present everywhere, even within the pillar of an assembly hall. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Hari, exhibited a wonderful form never before seen. The form was neither that of a man nor that of a lion. Thus the Lord appeared in his wonderful form in the assembly hall. Translation with repetition. To prove that the statement of his servant, Prahlad Maharaja, was substantial. In other words, to prove that the Supreme Lord is present everywhere, everywhere. even within the pillar pillar. of an assembly hall, hall. the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Godhead. Hari, exhibited Exhibited. a wonderful form, form. never before seen. The the form was neither that that. of a man nor that of a lion. lion. Thus the Lord appeared. In his wonderful form, in the assembly hall, report by Srila Prabhupada. When Hiranyakashipu asked Prahlad Maharaj, where is your Lord? Is he present in this pillar? Prahlad Maharaj fearlessly replied, yes, my Lord is present everywhere. Therefore, to convince Hiranyakashipu that the statement of Prahlad Maharaja was unmistakably true, the Lord appeared from the pillar. The Lord appeared as half lion and half man, so that Hiranyakashipu could understand whether the great could not understand whether the great giant was lion or a human being. To substantiate Prahlad's statement, the Lord proved that his devotee, as declared in Bhagavad Gita, is never vanquished. Konteya Pratijanihi Name Bhakta Pranashyati. Prahlad Maharaj's demoniac father had repeatedly threatened to kill Prahlad, but Prahlad was confident that he could not be killed since he was protected by the Supreme Lord. By appearing from the pillar, the Lord encouraged his devotees, saying, in effect, don't worry, I am present here. By manifesting his form as Narasimha Deva, the Lord also preserved the truth of Lord Brahma's promise that Hiranyakashipu was not to be killed by any animal or any man. The Lord appeared in a form that could not be said, 
cannot be said to be fully a man or a lion. Thus in the purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda of text 18, chapter 8, canto 7 of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yanyakashipu was always inimical to the Lord and always inimical to his son, Prahlad. He wanted that Prahlad should be the good son of the king of the demons. Prahlad should simply be a materialist, an exploiter, and should denounce worship of Krishna, acceptance of the presence of the Supreme Lord. And he tried his best to deprogram his son by sending him to the student, to the classroom of the sons of Sukra Acharya. But instead of being taught or changed by the sons of Sukra Acharya, as soon as the teachers left, Prahlad used the opportunity to preach. He told all the students to chant Hare Krishna. That from the very childhood one should practice Krishna consciousness. How that half our life is wasted by sleeping and the first ten years is wasted in simply ignorance, practically speaking. The next 10 to 20 years is wasted in playing around and studies. Excuse me, 10 years, up to 10 to 20. And then, from 20 to 40, 50, one is fully engrossed into the family affairs, even 60. In the last 20 years of one's life, also the body becomes unpleasant, weak, so then it is very difficult to fix the mind. So in this way, Prahlad Maharaj was explaining to his friends, who had objected, we are only children, why should we get into all this spiritual activities? Let us play around and worry about that later. That later will not do. Now you must begin. Because if you go on saying later, there's never an appropriate time in this life. Actually, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur used to lecture that there's no shortage in this material world. There's no shortage. Everything is here for our material enjoyment. One doesn't also have to try hard for that material enjoyment. That will automatically come due to the previous activities, reactions, or the karma fault. But if one wants to become Krishna conscious, which is the one thing which is missing in this world, one has to specifically try for it. One has to try to be Krishna conscious. 
automatically by the modes of nature, by the senses, one is taken. You've seen that picture in the Bhagavad Gita, the five horses pulling with a mind holding the steers, or is it the intelligence? And the soul is being dragged along. Just like that, we don't have to try for our material happiness. That is coming of its own accord. But to be Krishna conscious, then we have to make a conscious effort. In other words, we have a material mind and so it's already addicted to material desire, material thought, material lamentation. doesn't need to be programmed for that. But our natural Krishna conscious desire, that has been covered by this conditioned mind. So, initially we have to desire to return to our original consciousness. And by desiring to return to our original consciousness, by desiring to be Krishna conscious, and then acting in accordance with those desires, and automatically we become Krishna conscious. But it's not automatic. As soon as we turn our face away from Krishna, then we start making our advances. So, Prahlad Maharaj, he never turned his way, face away from Krishna. His father put him to the greatest test, held him over the canyon, thousands of feet sheer drop, sharp rocks below. Prahlad, stop chanting Hare Krishna, or I'll throw you in this pit. Give up this nonsense path. What do you have to say for yourself? Now before I cast you down. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. That was Pala's reply. Damn you! Threw him down. Disgrace to the demon race. And of course, falling down, Prahlad is chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Krishna catches Prahlad, takes him down. Vaiva Prakriti. Under the protection of the divine potency, Subhadra Devi, the devotee is under her protection. Of course, sometimes, the demons, they are very clever. Like Shiranyakashipu, he tried all the direct methods like throwing in boiling oil, having the demons try to cut him up, throwing him in the pit of snakes, putting him under the hooks of elephants. Then he tried his diplomatic way. He prepared some nice, sweet poison. And he came, the lad, you've been working very hard, doing the thank you time. <laughs> I'd like to just give you some token of my appreciation. <laughs> Take these sweet Simply wonder. And he gave the sweets, and after all, you are my son. So, of course, the lad, couldn't put his faith in Hiranyakashipu. 
In any case, he prayed to Krishna that I cannot eat anything. It's not offered to me. If this is not your prasadam, how can I take it? Unless you take I cannot I cannot take the boga, unoffered food. And he was chanting, and Krishna appeared. And Krishna personally took a bite out of that sweet ball. And then he personally put the sweet ball in Prahlad's mouth. And Prahlad, he, of course, once it touched Krishna's lips, it became nectar. No longer was poison. Of course, again, Hiranyakashipu's plan was thwarted. So finally, Hiranyakashipu, he decided that he's going to take in his own hand this sword. He's going to personally kill his five-year-old. Why he wants to kill him? What was his crime? What was his fault? It simply was a devotee. That was his fault. And why? Not an ordinary devotee. He was preaching. It was enough, at least if he was a devotee without preaching, it would not have aggravated Hiranyakashipu so much. There are so many devotees, like Sri Prabhupada said, that when there is uh, opposition to the preaching, this is a sign that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is being represented. Of course, there may be sometimes some misbehavior, that's another thing. But actual preaching, the demons, they'll be upset. Just like when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was preaching and his Sankirtan movement went out, and then of course, the even the Hindu caste Brahmanas, they went and approached the Chantazi and said, you must stop this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not representing the Hindu religion properly. He's misrepresenting. He's accepting everyone. No matter what their caste, what their creed, everyone, he's even Mahavadans, he's accepting into his movement. So he must be stopped. This is against the Vedas. This was their proposal. Of course, they were misrepresenting the Vedas. For their own caste consciousness and caste privileges. Brother Chankazi, he recorded their complaint. And then, of course, the Mohammedans, they also came and they complained that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu he is chanting Hare Krishna in all these streets and all the marketplaces and all the bathing dots. He must be stopped. So, the Chankazi said, I can understand that you are complaining about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu chanting into all Mohammedans. But my question is why you are chanting Hare Krishna? Why you are chanting? And they said, this is an amazing thing that when we hear these devotees chant, we cannot ourselves stop chanting. Just like one of our distributors that was distributing in New York told us how 
In this one particular street, there was uh, one very uh, heavy uh, guard outside one store. And uh, he used to break up the sales, used to threaten. But gradually, of course, every so the devotee would stay a little bit out from that store. But if he got close, and immediately that person would, would uh, start to growl. And every day he saw him, he said, Hare Krishna. Every day he just said, Hare Krishna. And that person, he'd always, you know, tell the people, don't buy anything. He said, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And after about a couple months of this, so one day, the distributor, he took out, he had this... Uh, bliss bar or something like that, yogi bar or something. And uh, he, we gave one to a person and the person ate it and so he saw that the guard was looking. So then he also gave him one. He took it. Don't worry, it's good, you know. The person went. And ate it. Eyes lit up. He came out, said, good. So he'd take a few more. <laughs> and so, after that, some chanting, a little prasadam, then gave him a book also. Then he started to help distributing. He became a great friend. Every day gave him a bliss bar, kept him in bliss. And uh, in this way, even the person at the beginning, the big, <coughs> very heavy character, very inimical, and he completely changed on just by association with devotees, just by the uh, <coughs> chanting of Hare Krishna. And this, Ranikashipu knew, he told Prahlad, that you don't associate with any devotees, because association is so powerful, you may become good, you may become a devotee yourself. You don't associate this association just like a mirror on the consciousness. This was his advice. Of course, Prahlad was already before birth because he was instructed when in the womb of his mother, when his mother was in the ashram of Narada Muni. He received the instructions from Narada Muni. He was already devoted. But his father couldn't understand where he got all this information. No, Prahlad didn't keep it a secret. This association is so powerful. So these Mahavadans, when they gave their complaints to the Chankazi, and he asked them, why you were chanting? You are Mahavadans, you're not supposed to chant. Why you were chanting? He said, we do now, every day we are associating with these devotees, we hear them chanting, and it's always going in our brain. We're just thinking, Hare Krishna, seeing Hare Krishna. It always, even in our sleep, we dream Hare Krishna. We don't know what is this magic. We think maybe we are under some spell. So of course the Chankazi, he broke the Madrangas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, first sent his soldiers. And all the devotees went back to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But should we stop the Sankirtan? Should we stop it now? They've broken our Madrangas. No, don't stop the Sankirtan. Go on with the Sankirtan movement. 
Nothing can stop the Sankirtan movement. So then, of course, they went back out and began the Sankirtan again. Then the Chankazi, hearing the sound of the Majangasi, personally came and broke the Majangasi. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he heard that the Majangasi had been broken, he took out, and at that time, the 14 different Sankirtan groups, they gathered the people from all the parts of Navadhi. And they all assembled. Huge, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. This was Lord Chaitanya, simply by his word, hundreds of thousands of people would jump. And they all became, uh, appeared enraged outside the Chankazi's house. With torches in their hands. Some of them were a little violent. Kill the Kazi! Burn him! You can't stop the Sankirtan movement. Some were shouting out. Some were breaking up the garden. The Chankazi was hiding under his bed. <laughs> and he saw the huge crowds of people. He knew there was no escape. He came down. And of course, then he approached Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That why? Since your grandfather called me uncle, you're coming to your uncle's house. Why are you acting in this very uh, violent way? Is this a way to treat your uncle? Lord Chaitanya said, well, since I'm your nephew, is this the way you receive your nephew? Keep him standing out on the road. No, no, come in, come in. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And of course they discussed. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, why you are killing your mother? What do you mean killing my mother? You're killing the cow. How the cow is my mother? You're drinking the milk. Who is giving you the milk? From her breast, isn't she your mother? How you can kill her and your father too? The bull who is the, the father of the mother was bringing home the grain. So then, in discussion, it actually came out that in the Quran, in the Mohammedan scripture, it forbids one from taking meat, especially cow meat, if one wants to be spiritually advanced. For those who are materialistic, then there's another way. But if you want to actually go back to God, then it's forbidden in the Quran. Of course, that just shows where everybody wants to go nowadays. Following the Quran. Not taking the higher path that was recommended. So at that time, the Chankaza, he revealed to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that I saw a terrible vision in my sleep. After I broke this Madhanga, after I ordered to have the Sankirtan movement stop, a terrific form, half man, half lion, appeared. And he said, if you ever dare stop the movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu again, then I will finish you off. And he ripped my chest with his claws. And he opened up his shirt and saw there, there was still the bloody mark on his chest. When I woke up there, look at this mark was still there. And he was shaking in fear. Shinghadev had appeared to the Chaitanya. Lord Chaitanya just touched him. And then he was filled with transcendental ecstasy, love for Krishna. Entered into his heart. By the presence and the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Chanakazi was changed. And he ordered that from now on, the Sankirtan movement shall enjoy my full protection in Navadip. It shall never be hampered. 
So there may be some test and there's some opposition, but by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy, the association of the devotees is so strong it overcomes it. The Chantazi. He was called the uncle. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because just as in Krishna Leela Lord Chaitanya as Krishna killed his uncle Kamsha. So the Kamsha of Chaitanya Leela is the Chankaza. But Lord Chaitanya is showing his mercy instead of killing him outright killed his demoniac nature. Killed his demoniac nature by making him into a devotee. Even today, the descendants of the Chankazi, they're still favorable to the Sankirtan movement. So, Narasimha Dev, he protects his devotee. Prahlad was protected by Lord Narasimha Dev. The devotees pray to Narasimha Dev for the health of the spiritual master. His mood is to protect the devotee. He was so angry. Why? He was so angry. He was shaking in anger. Because why was this devotee being persecuted? Simply because he was a devotee. Not because he had broken any laws and not because he had done any... Because so many people have done so many things. But because he's a devotee. Therefore, he was singled out to be tormented, to be tortured, to be harassed. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy is such that even those who are the tormentors, the devotee has no enemy. Of course, to protect another devotee, the devotee is willing to do everything in his power. But actually, the devotee has no enemy. And the proof is that if even a so-called enemy, if the slightest chance is there to make him a devotee, or to make him advance in devotional service, or to give him some mercy that he will accept and not offend. The devotee always jumps at the chance. That means that enemy means someone who you want to see harm. The devotee doesn't have any enemy. He wants to see everyone transferred to the spiritual sky. But of course, when such compassionate devotees are asking he becomes angry. And here, a devotee is simply giving out mercy, simply trying to distribute mercy. He's being, uh, he's being persecuted. That's the thing. Devotee takes it that I deserve to be punished in so many ways for all my sinful activities. This is simply Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Krishna's mercy upon Sometimes some difficulty is there to further temper the devotee and to open up new fields of preaching. But the devotee has to remember that he is the representative of Krishna. Just as Krishna took a personal offense that his devotee was being punished. 
Similarly, when the four Kumaras entered into the heavenly planet, to the Vaikuntha Lokas, and the two gatekeepers stopped them, Lord Narayan, he personally appeared before the four Kumaras. And he said that, I take personal responsibility because these are my servitors. Because they are my servitors, I ask your forgiveness for their activity. In other words, it's two-sided. Just as much as the devotee is protected by the Lord because he's representing the Lord, similarly, the devotee has the responsibility to act as the Lord, as the spiritual master, would want him to act. That which will leave a good impression upon those people to whom they are preaching. Because if a person becomes offensive to a devotee, then that is detrimental to his spiritual life. We can see that by being offensive to Prahlad, the duration of Hranikashipu's life, his kingdom, his opulence, everything was lost simply by being offensive to a devotee. The devotee doesn't want anyone's misfortune doesn't try to act in a way which will encourage someone to be offensive. Of course, simply by chanting and sankirtan, the harinama, by preaching, if some demon is offended, for that we cannot stop preaching. But unnecessarily, the devotee will not act in a such a way as to create a person. Krishna, he feels responsible. Because the devotee is his representative. They never say that Bhakti Bill did something wrong. They always say that Krishna. Never. For Krishna means Krishna. Krishna's devotee. For Krishna, he's the one that gets the ultimate result. So he's responsible to protect and he's also responsible for the devotee's actions. So the devotee has to be very careful. I'm representing the whole Sampradaya and Krishna must act responsibly in preaching. Then one will get the mercy. Irresponsible action that embarrasses Krishna and the spiritual master. And ultimately, of course, then how can that preacher be successful? Pallad Maharaj, of course, he was always very gentle, well-behaved. He didn't stop preaching. Every opportunity he got, he used it to preach. And that was what they didn't like. So that, the preaching, the Goshti Anandi, the preaching devotee can never stop. There's two types of devotees. There's Hajananandi, who wants his own liberation, wants to do his own bhajan. And there's the Goshti Anandi, who wants to see the devotee's number increase. The Goshti Nandi, his pleasure, his satisfaction is to see the Lord's purpose fulfilled. That is to have more and more devotees. The Lord wants that the fallen soul should return. 
Goshi Nandi is fulfilling that desire. Just like we sing, Sri Chaitanya Manobhishtam, Stavitam Hinabhutale, Sangarupa Kadamangandadati Sapadamsukam. I offer my respectful obeisances to Rupa Goswami. Because why? Manobhishtam. What is the desire of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? He knows that. And he has established that. Stavitam Hinabhutale. He has established that. This is a mood of the pure devotees. This is why in our Sampradaya you see the Acharyas are sometimes called Rupanugas. What is the desire of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? He wants to see this mercy distributed. And someone who is understood that this is the dear desire of the Lord and is trying to distribute that mercy to satisfy the Lord, to to establish his heart desire. He is a follower of Rupa Goswami, Rupa Anuga. So that is, the most exalted thing. To know what is the Lord's desire, his special desire, and to try to satisfy that. That is the epitome, the ethics of spiritual perfection. Everyone is trying to satisfy themselves, but they mistake themselves to be this body. And so instead they simply satisfy their senses, or try to satisfy their senses, but fail miserably. They go to no end. to the very limit in trying to do so, and always create havoc, and competing with all the other similar sense gratifiers in the grand competition. But the devotee, he is saying, what is the self, the real self, the self of the self? Krishna's desire, and trying to establish that. By preaching Krishna consciousness, that is the nectar of devotion, ocean being expanded. But without those devotees, it's very hard for these fallen souls to get delivered on their own. Practically impossible. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent has caused their good fortune. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what did he say? I am one person, how many fruits can I give out? You all come, take, take this food of love of Krishna, eat to your hearts, can they eat fully, and then distribute it. What does Srila Prabhupada say? Be happy in Krishna consciousness and make others happy. I remember when, of course now, a little better, but I remember just, uh, a year before this, two years ago, when I went to Guadalajara, Mexico, how Acharya Dev, who had been so rigorously preaching all over Latin America and all over the world, in India, how his health was uh, so completely uh, uh, deteriorated. Of course, there we had some nice relief. There was a waterfall, 120 feet, and hot, some kind of warm springs falling down. 
he would just bathe a little bit in the bathe a bit in the spring. Natural pond in the hot spring water, but his health was so uh, deteriorated from preaching. Until his uh, body practically gave out, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't stop and think to stop. Because now he's become more careful. This is a quality. The devotees, they just go on preaching. As much as uh, strength they have, they want to simply go on preaching. Should have hoped, but untiringly, how many, 11 or 17 times, at the age of 70, 80 years old, going around the world again and again. When he come to India, we'd always, of course, please stay here longer. He would stay for one or two months there. In Mayapur, in November, October, he'd come, and again during the festival. It was very fortunate to get that association. But he'd say, no, if I don't travel, how this movement will go on. And it's constantly traveling. He would say how he was cursed by the parents of the children of the devotees. Just like Narada Muni had been cursed by Daksha. When he, Narada Muni took all of his sons and made them into devotees, into Brahmachari. He was cursed that you will never have a fixed house. I curse you to never have a fixed house. You have to always simply wander around. Can't stay any place more than a few days. Of course, that was a very big curse for Daksha. Materialists, their idea of curse, you know, just like we're reading this morning, that uh, when the uh, Narada Muni gave the story of uh, Puranjana to King uh, Bahishman, he said, I can't really understand exactly what you are saying because we are engaged in spiritual activities, we're karmic. Therefore, it's very difficult to understand what is the meaning of this story. The purple Prabhupada explained that uh, unless one performs devotional service, the actual meaning of Krishna consciousness, the mystery of devotional service, it, it can't be understood fully. They, they get confused. So like that Daksha, he's thinking he's cursing Narada Muni, so this is the greatest blessing I ever had. I'm going to be eternally in our traveling sanctity. I never have to settle down anymore. He took it as a blessing. So Prabhupada said that like that, I, I have the curse. Therefore, I can never stay anywhere more than a week or two. Actually, he was always traveling. Like in Vrindavan, then myself and one or two other, some other devotees were there. And he told us uh, He's looking right at me, but I know that other people were there also. But, uh, so now I cannot travel anymore. Now I'm just staying here in Vrindavana. Now you must take this curse. He said, you sannyasi. You have to take this curse. Travel. Since then, I haven't even been able to accept the festival. I don't stay anywhere more than after two weeks also. So, in any case, for a devotee, there's no curse. So even this curse that Prahlad Maharaj, 
when they finish you up, then they touch you. So there's no question there. Only thing the devotee is worried about is that, that I may not become attracted to the material nature and somehow I may not forget rather, the lotus feet of the Lord. That is the only thing the devotee is afraid of. Afraid of being attracted to this nature. That fear is uh, purifying. Never afraid of the Lord. Hanikashipu was so afraid of Nashinghadev. All the demigods are afraid of Nishinghadev. But Talad, he wasn't afraid of Nishinghadev. You know, this is my protector. This is my Lord. The devotee, he's afraid of forgetting Krishna. Afraid of Maya. Not proud, humble against Maya. Afraid of Maya. Not afraid of Krishna. Always clings to Krishna's lotus feet. Just like a baby. Not afraid of his mother. Maybe he's always holding on to the man. The protection. But afraid of strangers. Afraid of. So this material world is a strange environment to us. It's not natural. So therefore we should cling on the lotus feet of Guru Gauranga Nithai Gaur. And the easiest way to cling is to manifest their desire in this world. To try to establish their desire, that is to give everyone Krishna consciousness. In a very humble, determined and enthusiastic way. Spreading all around the glories of the holy name. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Jai Sisimitai Gaur, Jai Shri Prabhupada, Jai Shri Dev. Any question? Of course, that's also said to be a sign of advancement when one sees one's own heart to be hard. Usually, someone enters into devotional service, makes a little progress, and really thinks that I'm very advanced. But then as one advances further and gets a greater perspective on exactly how exalted is devotional service, and one sees oneself as being very insignificant. Even Srimati Radharani, he saw her, she saw herself as being not at all a devotee. So if we start to see ourselves as not being a devotee, that can be also a, uh, not being a very advanced devotee, that can also be a type of uh, sign of advancement. The thing is that this should not discourage us, but this should enhance our desire to melt our heart, to be a devotee. It's not unusual that we are Hard-hearted. In fact, if we are conscious of that, that is a good step in the right direction. Now we should begin to melt our heart. I explained how when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, within a few days, Jagannath's uh, Snanyatra will be happening. And when that Snanyatra happened, Lord Chaitanya became mad in separation for, for Jagannath, and his whole body became practically on fire, and he ran the 11 miles to the Alanath temple, and he fell down in front of Alanath, the Lord, uh, Vishnu Murti there 
in uh, Orissa and he fell down and he paid his obesity and, and he fell just completely unconscious uh, right in front of the deity in separation. And his body was so intense in love for Krishna that actually he melted right into the rock. The rock melted. That stone, the impression of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's body, full seven feet, melted into the rock, is still there in uh, Alanath, the temple of Alanath, near Jagannath Puri. They offered us to worship that uh, stone if we want to. They offered us the right. One temple who's doing the puja of that stone now. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his love is so intense for Krishna that by associating with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by chanting his name, by uh, hearing his and remembering his pastimes and visiting his holy dham and always giving separation to the dham and what is not able to stay there, that melts even a stone-like type. We should avoid, of course, offending Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's devotees. And we should stay in contact with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And by his contact, that can easily melt even the hardest heart. So, it is a, generally, those devotees who think that their heart is not hard, or that they are already advanced, or they're not feeling themselves in a great need for a lot of mercy. They are in a more unfortunate situation than a devotee who is very eager for mercy, who is feeling himself one, uh, to be very in need of Lord Chaitanya's mercy and he is always anxious to get it. The thing is that the secret word in that mantra is the eager to get the mercy. That we should take every realization of our, of our own inadequacies to increase our desire, to increase our desire, to intensify our hankering for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy. Well, it's not demon and devotee, it's demon and demigod. Demon and demigod. Devota and Osura. Sura, Osura. The demigods, they are trying to enjoy their senses, but they are trying to do so to the orders of Krishna. And the demons, they are trying to enjoy their senses, but they are doing so in defiance of Krishna. But the devotees, they are not trying to enjoy their senses. They have understood that sense enjoyment is not the goal of life. They are trying to satisfy Krishna's sense. So the devotees, they are different from demons and from the demigods. So the demons and the demigods, they are always fighting with each other. But Krishna and Balaram, they are standing off on one side watching. They are actually in no side. Just like Hanikashipu, he defeated all the demigods. Krishna is not really concerned unless uh, the demigods make some special appeal. But only because Hiranyakashipu started to torture Prahlad, who was his devotee, then of course the Lord will protect his devotee. But Prahlad 
when his father killed, was killed by, what did he say? He said, Lord Nishingadev, please have mercy on my father. Do not take any offense. In other words, the devotee, he doesn't have, he doesn't see the demons as enemies. This is no competition. The devotee is simply in love with Krishna. He wants to see the good fortune for everyone. The devotee is transcendental to demons and demigods. Just like the, the Americans, they think they're the demigods and that the Russians are the demons and vice versa. So of course, Theoretically, one can see those who are more God-fearing, they're actually demigods. And those who are more uh, atheistic, they're demons. But actually, neither of them are perfect. Neither of them are transcendental. One is a little, is better material than the other. But the devotee is transcendental. Whether a person is a demon or a demigod, the devotee wants to see them all become devotees. Just like Bali Maharaj, he was the king of the demons. But he became a great devotee. But Krishna has devotees who are both demons and demigods. And even a demon, one who is addicted to Sanskara because of envious nature, that by mercy of devotee, he may also become a devotee. So the devotee wants to even see the demon. Of course, the devotees sometimes get in the mood thinking that they're demigods and then fighting against the demons. But actually, the demigods, you see, if they find the demons are down, just like when they saw Hiranyakashipu was down, they immediately wanted to go and kill Prahlad. Because they thought Prahlad, this pregnant mother of, of Hiranyakashipu, that he was also another demon. So in that way, there's always a type of a political uh, conquest between the demigods and the demons. But the devotees, they don't mind to see demons who try to stop Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement punished or harassed so that the movement can go on unimpeded. At the same time, if those people themselves become devotees, they're perfectly, that's what they prefer that much better. It means that a devotee, he's not an envious person. He's always wishing the welfare of everyone. But of course, if someone is stopping Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement, then it's better for that person if somehow or another his offensive activities are ended. Because the more offensive he's committing, it's the more unfortunate. Just like a snake is so offensive. So even the saintly people like to see when a snake is killed. Yena tena prakarena mana krishna nivosate. By any means, whatever it takes to get a person to accept Krishna, become attracted to Krishna. That's what Rupa Goswami After a person is attracted, first get a person attracted to Krishna. First get him to understand to be attracted to Krishna, to get a taste for Krishna, and then to understand that he is a servant of Krishna. When he understands by getting a taste of Krishna consciousness, automatically one will understand that I am a servant of Krishna. 
And one understands you're a servant of Krishna, then you introduce rules and regulations and so many different types of uh, restrictions that will help that person to further advance. Before a person has accepted Krishna or understood that he's a servant of Krishna, if you simply uh, push on rules and regulations or restrictions with that person, then he will uh, he will commit some offense. He will not be able to accept. The first thing is by any means. Yena Athena, whatever works for that particular individual. Get him attracted. I mean, I came in India, probably said some very amazing things that we could say to the Indian devotees to attract them to Krishna consciousness. And practically, we said we could say very materialistic things just to get people attracted. I don't know if I can say it. No, no. Imagine. It says that one should not see the deity too close to see the spiritual master too close. So, I know sometimes even servants of Srila Prabhupada will approach the Prabhupada that uh, my mind are becoming familiar. And then Srila Prabhupada will say, that you must see the disciple become familiar with the spiritual master that is very detrimental. And then he would immediately if they said that, on one or two occasions, he, he changed his service or something like that. And if one sees himself becoming familiar, then he has to take whatever means he can to... Uh, that's why it's difficult when one has to associate a lot with the spiritual master. Sometimes devotees complain that, well, I never get to see my spiritual master, or I don't get that much association. On the other hand, those devotees who are always associating with, sometimes, you know, you see that the, the abundance of mercy is too much for them. Because the spiritual master is always refining the devotees. And usually devotees, they don't have that much tolerance to be refined that intensively. Day after day, month after month. That, uh, that can only come with maturity. One has to know who he is in devotional platforms and uh, train the mind to act accordingly. The mind is just like a little child. The mind, you can make the mind do this or that. And so with intelligence, one has to direct the mind. Just like the mind, if it starts thinking of sense gratification, you redirect it back to Krishna. If the mind starts to think of the spiritual master, of senior Vaishnavas, of the deity in some familiar materialistic way, then you have to control the mind. No, don't think of that. Even if some senior Vaishnava, he's very familiar uh, with me, that's his mercy. 
But actually, I should have this mentality. If you let the mind take its own course, it will always take the wrong course, because it's a materialistic mind. So by intelligence, we have to direct the mind. That's why it says that a mind which is controlled is one's best friend. And an uncontrolled mind is the worst enemy. So as soon as we let the mind control, let it go its own way, then we'll be in trouble. And as soon, as long as we keep it always with intelligence, according to sadhu, shastra and guru, never depend on the mind. Mind will always let one down. But depend on the intelligence. Analyze them. what is the mind doing? If one is careless and not watching what the mind is doing, just accepting whatever the mind is coming up with, sure, it will be in trouble. So one has to be mature, always as a dhira, sober. Controlling the mind is the intelligence. Just like I remember one sannyasi's wife, because she wasn't a sannyasi then, he was asking her, you know, just to wash his clothes. And then she didn't like to do that. She thought that, you know, there were other things that she should do. She thought that, well, of course, they were doing a lot of preaching, and that at least the one thing, at least that the wife would wash the clothes would be something. Because I got a, all the problems, and I don't even have to wash my own clothes on top of it. You might as well just be a semantic. Because Prabhupada took sannyas. All just over, over a little thing like that. So it says that woman, if she sees the husband as representing Krishna, if the disciple sees the spiritual master as representing Krishna, if the citizen sees the king as representing Krishna, in that way then one is always Krishna conscious. Even of course the husband is not Krishna, and they have so many defects, but the wife sees, well, if I follow the instruction of the husband, which is a very austere thing to do sometimes, unless it's a completely crazy suggestion against the principles of something, then by doing so, I, this is this is my lot, this is Krishna, that is taking that this is Krishna's desire. So then that she's Krishna then. So we're the disciple. That's what the spiritual master says, as Krishna's desire, is Krishna then. But as soon as we start to make our own conceptions about what we should do and what we shouldn't do, and then we're responsible, and we make a mistake, and we finish. Even Ramanuja Acharya, he was completely detached from his family life, but he couldn't leave his wife because she was basically serving him. So he told her that if you make two mistakes in devotional service, and uh, I forget what one of them was, but I know that he told her, he had a very explicit order what to do in serving the deity. And uh, somehow she just, you know, in a woman's simplicity, she didn't do it. She did, you know, something else which appeared to be materially more suitable. And as a result, the deity service was... Uh, was improperly done and there was an uh, offense committed. That and there was one other thing, of, I think receiving another vice or something like that. 
And these two mistakes, and this one. But as long as she was serving properly, then she was responsible. Not, he was responsible. Even though he didn't particularly need to be in a family situation because she was helping, she wasn't, she, he felt obligated to continue engaging her in service and to supporting her in different ways. But as soon as she started to take the responsibility on herself to be more intelligent than he was, even maybe she thought she was right, well, she lost Ramanuja. In the same way, if a disciple starts to think, or even a, a, a junior or less advanced devotee starts to think himself to be more intelligent, then he becomes responsible. So, of course, if a disciple becomes independent of the guru, that means he's got no uh, shelter at all. Vaishnavas may have different of opinion, so still it's risky for the junior Vaishnava because uh, whether their interpretation of what is pleasing to Prabhupada is more accurate or whether an older god brother's interpretation is more accurate of the spiritual master, Prabhupada, whoever it may be, the idea is that, uh, of course, they wa- they're not without shelter, but it's a question of responsibility to understand what is the desire of the spiritual master. So therefore, it's always uh, the same recourse, sadhu, shastra, guru. So whatever the guru and the shastra says, that of course is absolute. And the sadhus, the sadhus or the senior Vaishnavas, they are, they are giving the interpretations or the understanding of what is, how to practically apply and what is the meaning of the verdict of the guru and the shastra. So whenever one does some major decision, it's always beneficial to discuss with the sadhus. If the spiritual master is present, then of course, Whatever he says, that is as good as Krishna's In this way, if one acts so that all the time he is not responsible, but all the time you can directly see how I'm just doing what the Shastra says, what the Guru is saying, or what the Sadhus is saying, then he's always safe. There's no risk. Of course, sometimes one has to take a risk to sleep. But if there is a way to take no risk, that's the best thing. Especially in personally, Krishna consciousness, no risk. We take materially risk to sleep. But then, what we should do, we don't want to take a risk to do something which we do not know if it's authorized by Krishna. That risk we don't take. But if we know it's authorized by Krishna, we're willing to take any other kind of risk. We take a risk, which is, we don't know if it's authorized by Krishna perfectly. We're not perfectly sure, we're just doing it on some type of impetuousness or strength. We have not really discussed it with other Vaishnavas or shared it with the spiritual master, or do not have the direct scriptural 
uh, understanding to back us up, but we're doing it anyway. That's whimsical. That's the uh, meaning of whimsical activity which is not authorized. So if we don't know if it's authorized, that's also whimsical. We should know, factually, what I'm doing is correct. This is necessary for teaching, and this is confirmed by Sadhu, Shastra, and Buddha. So if we're always doing things in that way, then how we can <coughs> offend, or how we can uh, be in trouble, then we'll, we don't have to worry about it. In this way, we can respect the other Vaishnavas, we can respect the spiritual master, knowing that independent of their shelter, we're in a precarious situation. Will answer the question? Is there any limit to question? No, I mean, I've had darshans that have gone up for two in the morning, and you got... <laughs> but then the next day, it's rough on the sense of time. I don't know, you know. We're not being whimsical. We're not being whimsical. Purity is the force. Most of the basis. We have to always keep in line with so the meaning of Guru Paramparaya. As soon as someone does something which is not directly authorized by the Guru Paramparaya, and not just that, that my, my, even my own opinion, Taken, but even other senior vice also agree with my understanding of the previous acharya desires in this regard, and that is all authorized by the Shastra, then, then in this way one stays within that flow. But what happens is they start to speculate, or they start to do things which they may think, they may feel this is a good thing to do, but it's not directly authorized by the, the scriptures or by the line of teachers. So they don't have a strict line of teachers. The scriptures are not also so, uh, how do you say, exhaustive in answering a lot of questions. So what happens is as the world became more and more complicated, and you see they become speculating more and more on what should be the thing to do, where because the scriptures don't have there's no line of discipline succession, so there's no teachers that know really how to interpret those scriptures. So then you get hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of sects and subsects and different opinions, and you end up playing bingo in the basement of the church. The double jackpot. That's why we have to follow strictly the system of Guru Parampara. Follow the, the instructions of previous Acharyas. So it's not only that you have a Guru, but you also have a previous Acharya. 
Like Prabhupada, you're not only trying to follow the instructions of Bhakti Siddhanta, but also of Gauti Shore, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, of, of uh, Jagannath Das Babaji. Of course, principally one has to follow his own spiritual master's instructions. And beyond that, one is conscious of what the mood of the previous acharyas is, what their overall desire is. Just like if you want to drive, draw a line, so you need, if you have two points of reference, it's easy to draw the straight line. If you just want it, tend to ever do that. In your notebook, you want to make lines this way, and just make one, two inches, one inch across, and then you want to draw the straight lines just by vision. You know, then you get in the bottom of the page, and some of them a little bit this way and that way. So you do one measurement in the top and one in the bottom. And then you draw, and they're all exactly in line. So it's not that our own spiritual master is the universe unto himself, but it's coming in a line, and we can see the overall line. And that is according to time and circumstance, of course, he's applying that. And then as the time changes, it's, uh, we see the overall line, so it doesn't just go completely, just slightly there. Prabhupada, he kept the basic move of the previous account. But each one, they make slightly uh, different uh, types of preaching, prominent during those times, depending on the different stages of the preaching. So we'll see that in, as Krishna consciousness becomes more and more widespread over the world, that there will be new type of uh, devotees and new types of mayas which will come up, which have to be dealt with with different type of preaching programs. Just like the problem of planting the seed, and when the seed sprouts, then we have the problem of watering it, and manuring it, and weeding it. So the problems in growing always change according to the stage, and finally, there's the harvest. So ultimately, Lord Chaitanya said, in every town and village throughout the whole world, his name will be expressed. Hope his name will be Although there's a good progress made, there's still far to go. So as the movement becomes more and more established, and maybe just like Prabhupada said, I have so many plans for spreading Krishna consciousness. I cannot reveal them all to you right now. Prabhupada will be revealing through his mercy more and more plans for spreading Krishna consciousness. 